0: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting Great Ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day.
1: I mean, we say it all the time whether, you know, there's two types of turds you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean,
0: um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, fall hating, <laughs> anti hoodie. My best friend Greg Smith Greg hello how are you
1: I am very well how are you um, I <laughs> it's funny I've been so much in a better mood this week because it's been unseasonably warm here in Nebraska um, yesterday uh, last night for the state Class A state championship game like I actually wore a hoodie but that was all I had to go with mm. um, for a you know state final game it's great like it was a high of 70 yesterday. Um, so I was very happy. We were out of hoodie weather, even though I wore one. It made me very happy.
0: Uh, it has not been unseasonably warm in Chicago. It's been very cold. I wore um, workout shorts. My, my So my walk to the gym is brief, but it's just long enough to where if it's cold outside and I'm wearing like true workout stuff, not like sweats and stuff to, to I guess, prepare for that outside walk uh, it's like a miserable walk it's like it's in it's in that sweet spot of length and it was a miserable walk i wore shorts and, and one of those like dry fit hoodies and and it was just it was very very cold um it was also pretty cold in madison but uh jump around made it better jump around is so cool that was so much fun
1: like madison like i know Okay, so Husker fans had bad experience out there. I forget how many years ago it was. I think it was the very first year that Nebraska went to Madison when they first joined the Big Ten, Um, and Wisconsin fans kind of took exception with Nebraska being picked to win the league, and they treated Nebraska fans very poorly that weekend. There are tons of stories out there about that. So Nebraska fans are sour on Madison. I think Madison's a great college town. (laughs) I think one of the best college towns. Um, And and Wisconsin football games are pretty fun. It was super great. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I've, I've been there twice and I've come away both times thinking like this would be a, a cool place to like spend college footballs, college football falls. Yeah, I, it, that was almost my life. Almost, almost. Um, yeah. Greg, we're going to talk about Adrian Martinez. On this podcast, because Nebraska's fourth year quarterback is not going to play potentially his last game as a Nebraska quarterback. So we're going to talk a little bit about him in, in a bit. Um, first things first, for people that are listening to this podcast, if you are not subscribed to the Straight Up Breakdown podcast with Greg Smith, go fix that right now. Go subscribe to it. Leave him a five-star review. It's a wonderful show. Go listen to it. Also, in the Hill Varsity Network, we have the Nebraska Preps post game show with Jacob Padilla and Damon Benning. Jacob called me out for plugging his podcast last week, but not actually saying what the title was. So the Nebraska preps post-game show. Jacob also has a basketball pod with Jacob Bigelow. Go listen to that. Also, Brandon Vogel has the ID Preview podcast. Subscribe to that one. And then Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin have the Mind Your Own podcast. So go listen to that. Also, also, subscribe to the website, hillvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Get everything. New magazine's coming soon. I think that's all the stuff that I got to hit. It's Thanksgiving week. So this podcast is a day earlier than it usually is. If you guys are listening to this on Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening to it on the drive to a family member's house, I hope the food is wonderful and I hope the turkey is not dry and I hope that everything is awesome. Greg, first of all, happy early Thanksgiving. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Second, uh, what's the best Thanksgiving dish in your opinion?
1: Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Um, the best dish is macaroni and cheese. Um, okay. It's a tier of one pick. Like I don't know. Like yeah, it's hard to go. It's for me. Like that is the thing. Um, I am now. I have now become the person that makes the macaroni and cheese here in kind of my sphere, um, which is bizarre. Um, and when I tell my family back home that, they laugh. Um, But people enjoy it. They eat it. So it works. Um, But yeah, mac and cheese all the way for me.
0: There are three large like platters of mac and cheese sitting in my refrigerator right now. Uh, The goat slaved away for like five hours yesterday, making some Thanksgiving sides. Mac and cheese was one of them. The cheese sauce was heavenly. I'm so excited to eat this thing tomorrow. Yeah, I cannot I wait. Good. Mac and cheese I, yeah, is great. I, I'm, I'm right with I'm you. I'm
1: happy for you. I'm, I'm excited. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like wiggling over here. I'm excited <laughs> for you that you have three giant things of mac and cheese. I'm happy.
0: Mac and cheese is great. Um, I have changed my tune on stuffing. I wasn't a big stuffing person as a kid, but now I'm oh. all about the stuffing. Um, I don't like casseroles. I don't like casseroles. And I'm also not a big pie person. So I have that in common with Mac Jones. So if I want to be uh first round pick in the NFL and a and a high tier quarterback. I think I can do that now.
1: Yeah, I'm not I was with you until you said pie. Um I am a pie guy. Um it, it, pie is just delicious. Like you can't go wrong with with pie. I'm not, I don't stuffing, dressing, whichever iteration of it that you like. I don't like either one. Um cass- casseroles was something I never had really growing up at thanksgiving so like i can take it or leave it but i'm very upset with you about the pie thing that's weird
0: well like green bean casserole is like up there with me in coleslaw like i don't want to see it i don't want to smell it i don't want to touch it don't have it anywhere <laughs> near me like
1: like you can get okay, that garbage it's not, out it's not a bottom tier side like coleslaw no it I'm is not i am not craving
0: it for it is sure a, it is a bottom tier side it's a <laughs> especially green bean casserole bottom tier side um, I have angered people. I will probably anger people with the pie comment. Fruit pie is just not for me. But let me try to win. Is, some...
1: is, well, hold on. No, no, no. We got to hold on real quick. Well, so no, no. What dessert do you have? I, I was just oh, about sorry, to say. Sorry, sorry. Okay. I was just about to say. Okay.
0: Hopefully, I can win people back with this. For my entire life, we have had French silk pie from Village Inn. That kind of pie is chef's kiss. It's so good. Okay. It's Excellent. beautiful. So... Yeah, but specifically Village Inn, we've had French Silk Pies from other places, and they just don't do it right. They just don't it's do it It's hit right.
1: or miss. Yeah, it, it is. You, that's one of those things that I didn't realize until, because I had Village Inn French Silk Pie for so long. There's another place that's very similar to it um, in Brook, in Illinois called um, Baker Square. Um, it's very similar to Village Inn. It's basically the same type of French Silk Pie. And then I had it somewhere else, and I was like, wait, this isn't mm-hmm. French Silk. This isn't, ooh, yeah. what is this?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yep. Shout out Village Inn, sponsor this podcast, and give me pies. In the, and I don't know how that would work, but if if we can find a way to, to get some pies on this podcast, that'd be great. But specifically, French silk pie, none of the garbage fruit pies.
1: A giant apple pie upstairs that As I'm taking
0: for the Thanksgiving. the goat looks <laughs> at me with daggers in her eyes um, is he
1: currently making a prince like in uh, a blueberry pie no that- but i'm
0: sure i'm sure there will be like an apple pie or like some kind of pie like that at, at thanksgiving dinner uh when we have it big news of the week greg is that james franklin has a new shiny 10-year contract to stay with penn state and um it's reported that mel tucker is getting an even more lucrative Ten-year contract to stay at Michigan State. Um, Jimbo Fisher got a ten-year contract at Texas A&M. UTSA's Jeff Trailer got a ten-year contract. <laughs> how do you how do you feel about? Yeah, you're you're like you're like what? <laughs> That's the random one thrown in. Yeah, uh, one of these things does not belong. <laughs> um, how do you feel about? I, we're not even going to talk, talk about the finances of the situation, but just a college football program committing itself. To one person for ten years, when we're seeing like Dan Mullen just got fired with what like a thirty-one and seventeen record or something insane like that, how do you feel about these these super long-term contracts? Mike Gundy signed like a lifetime contract too, I think. Right.
1: Um, I actually like them. Like, and and oh. I kind of uh, yeah, I kind of surprised myself and how I arrived at this, and it's actually tied to a little bit. Uh, like you mentioned Dan Mullen, kind of getting fired after a few years or a handful of years um, and actually having success down in Florida and Gainesville. I, I think that anymore, I think that t- programs need to be allowed more runway to build. But I also think that there needs to be like a, a level of being okay with being a pretty good program that occasionally has a couple a breakthrough season or two and what i mean by that like penn state i think is a really good example of that a team that should never really be like worse than a 7 and 5 type of team should always be like it meant eight win conversation should basically be their starting point. And then there should be years where Penn state really gets on a roll and they win 10 or 11 and go to a Rose bowl. Like that, that is, I think where Penn state lands. Then I think that that's where James Franklin would continuously steer them. And so them committing 10 years to him, I think is fine. Um, I, I, and and I kind of feel in a, a pretty similar way, about Jimbo Fisher like the UTSA thing was kind of weird but on a on the whole I actually like that but the problem is is on the other hand is I think that when it's not working I think it's okay to pull the plug but I don't think that like for Florida because that's the one that is the most recent one I don't think that that necessarily was that type of case even there's a lot of different things going on Um, with that Florida situation and why they thought the direction wasn't going the right way. But I like the 10 year commitments to coaches, even though we know that at least one of these, the coach won't make it the whole 10 years, whether he leaves on his own or he ends up getting fired anyway.
0: Yeah. The, the contract that Franklin signed, it seems like it's, it's pretty friendly to him if he wants to go, Someplace else, he's guaranteed a lot of money if Penn State fires him. So he's for the next few years, he's like, no one's ever virtually unfireable, but he's like he's like pretty close, like for the next few years, just in terms of the amount of money that they would owe him. Um, I've seen a lot of reactions to the Penn State thing specifically, like James Franklin doesn't deserve it. Like, what has James Franklin done? I've seen some of like good for the Big Ten with paying James Franklin and 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 paying uh, Mel Tucker. And in sort of like the narrative that the big 10 hasn't always prioritized um, super big contracts to keep really good coaches in the conference. And, and that's something that the sec does. And that's something that if the big 10 wants to continue to play with the sec, they'll need to keep doing. Um, I can see that I can, I, you know, I can see sort of the, well, what has James Franklin done arguments? Um, and I can also see that like, he's recruiting at a really high level. Um, he's getting investment from the program to improve some things which will be good the the, i i i'm with you in a theoretical sense on what the what the like the long-term contract would signal because it would signal that programs are saying hey you can have like a year like what penn state had last year or like you know not that michigan did this with jim harbaugh but like a two like a random year where you have a losing record And we're not going to freak out and overreact sort of in the way that, that Florida has, has over, I think overreacted to the Dan Mullen situation. Um, It's, it's one of those things where like, in theory, I support it because I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said about programs need more time. Coaches need more time because that's what I've been arguing with Scott Frost. Um, And, and that we, we have sort of like, accelerated the clock on how quickly a coach needs to produce results. Um, Part of it is like programs feel like coaches need to produce results because they're paying them a lot of money. So if we could fix, if we could fix that discrepancy, how much coaches are getting paid in general, like there probably wouldn't be such a, such a hurry to win games so quickly. Um, But there's the skeptical side of me that just says, I don't think these programs actually have the stomach to do that on the whole. Like I think Nebraska is an exception and Trev Albert saying, we're going to give frost another year. I think he's the exception. I don't think he's, he's the rule. And I'm just skeptical that programs will actually continue to express patience and continue to, to, to believe in patience because like one of the things that, um, the the coaching carousel this particular season has sort of brought up one of the the talking points that that people are i've seen a lot of people hitting on is that there are a lot of programs right now that have unwarranted belief that they deserve better football seasons that, that they should have better football seasons than they deserve that they should be winning more games based on i, I don't the fact that they should be winning more games i don't know like there are teams that, like you said, aren't happy with just having one or two like really good seasons and then going back to kind of being average and like Paul Feinbaum said something really interesting where he was like, Florida's had two, co- two good coaches in the last 30 years and the rest of them have been bad or like average or mediocre. So like there's this assumption that Florida should be a top two, top three, like one of the best jobs in the country and the coach should always be winning at that job. Why? Urban Meyer did it. And Steve Spurrier did it. And those guys are really good coaches. The rest haven't. Why, why is there the assumption that Florida should be competing for national championships every year, just because it's Florida, you have Georgia right next to you, which if Kirby smart has proved anything, it's that the right coach at Georgia is pretty, is pretty good. Is a yeah. pretty good combination. And then in the state of Florida, from a recruiting standpoint, it's not like you're in USC where you only really have UCLA to compete with. Like Florida has Florida State and Miami. Like those are two big programs.
1: But I also think that that's uh, – but in fairness to the well, – I'm defending the Florida administration here. But in fairness to them, they also could not capitalize recruiting-wise on Florida, Florida State and Miami being down. So the reason that Florida has not recruited and gotten the players that they need to get in there is not because they're losing them to those schools. It's because they're losing them to Georgia. Um, They're losing them to Alabama. They're losing them to Ohio State. Um, Those are the schools that are coming in now and just setting up shop in Florida, which is funny, the Ohio State thing really got started by Urban Meyer after he then left Florida. So there's that tie um, there. I think I saw a thing where the top, of the top 18 recruits in the class of 2022 from Florida, none of them are going to Florida. None of them are committed to Florida. Yeah, that's bad. I, but- yeah,
0: <laughs> the um, one of the reasonings that's been given for Dan Mullen is that he just didn't like to recruit, and that they were they were consistently underperforming in recruiting, and he wasn't allocating any resources towards it. Okay, that's fine. That's that's a, a perfectly reasonable reason to to think that he's not the guy some of the other stuff like you, the the internal dynamics were off they didn't like his personality they didn't like the way he was too mean to the media that's one of the things that I've seen. Who
1: cares? No one, since no when did we firing care? people for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Since when did we care about the way coaches interact with the media? That's the first <laughs> the time that's ever happened. Yeah. If that was the case. yeah. Some no of the, some, cares. yeah. Some of the reasons have been like, well, the guy gave up 52 points to Sanford at home. And we just don't like that because this is Florida and we got to figure out reasons to justify doing this. Like, Just just say it wasn't working and and you wanted to go in a different direction. That's fine. Don't 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 tell me. Well, he, he didn't get along with the media and we need somebody that knows how to play the game and knows how to talk right.
1: Oh, you yeah, don't. Yeah, no, that's not, no, no, you really don't. Oh, you no, you don't. No one cares about that. Um, that's never part of the equation. But do you think now, uh, do you think that Florida needs to have a guy like, and now it's become like Kirby Smart because he also, A, he's been recruiting very well and they get after it on the recruiting trail. B, he also said the thing about, you know, if you're not recruiting, that's basically it for you um, and that you have to have the players. I'm paraphrasing, but it was, it was a good quote. Um, do you think that Florida has to have a guy like that?
0: I think every college has to have a guy like that. This is the difference between college coaches and NFL coaches. Dan Mullen could probably go to the NFL and be a pretty successful NFL head coach because he's really good from a, scheme, a schematic standpoint, from a play calling standpoint. He just has no interest in recruiting, which I, I'd be curious to talk to people who were around. Um, what's his face? Um, the Texas Tech guy that, that went to
1: uh, oh, Arizona. Kingsbury?
0: Kingsbury. Yeah, I'd be curious to talk to people that were around him when he was in Lubbock. And, and kind of get a vibe for how he felt about recruiting because he's I mean he's having pretty successful. We, yeah. we, we joked about him failing upward when he got fired yeah, from Texas Tech. We
1: made those jokes and but they
0: like they started the year eight and one, if if I have my numbers correct. Um was, and not... Mullen
1: was a guy that was always he was talked about as an NF as a potential NFL guy. Yeah, he was it, in, in Starkville.
0: Yeah. I think I think the biggest thing with college is you just you have to embrace recruiting and you have to You have to want to do it every single day of the year, 365 days. You just have to, I think that's just, that's the most important part of the job right now. Like it's not, it's not schematics. I don't think it's not, you know, how you talk to the media. It's not how you manage a locker room. Some of those things are pretty important, but like recruiting is the lifeblood of, a college football team. You've played NCAA 14. If you don't do well recruiting, you don't do well on the field.
1: That that is 100% correct. You get out there in NCAA 14 with those two stars. uh, It's not going to go
0: well for you. How do you turn, I I don't know, random Marshall. I played with Marshall one time. How do you turn Marshall into a consistent national championship threat? You start signing five-star classes. That's what happens. I used to, NC State used to be my,
1: my squad because you could do the red-on-red pant-Jersey pant, combination. Um, and I would do that turn around NC State.
0: You could do red-on-red red with Nebraska. Side. You could? Did you ever do red-on-red yeah, red with Nebraska? I never,
1: okay, so I didn't play with Nebraska as much just because I was, I mean, we were here, right? At that point, probably. Um, and so, no, I, no I, I'd like to pick someone else right. and go that
0: way. I played a lot with Oregon. I think yeah, I, a bunch of I, I don't think I'm in um a small group of people here when I say that my like team selection was based entirely off of how many uniform combinations you had. Absolutely. So, yeah. I still do that. 2K <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who who has the best who uh, has the Charlotte. best kits?
1: Charlotte, because you could go with the the old school. Oh the jersey. old school. Yeah, like the mismatched Charlotte pinstripes. Yeah, I love I love those things.
0: Those were good. Um, okay, let's let's pivot and talk about Nebraska now, now that we're however many minutes in. Um Adrian Martinez is is not going to play Friday against Iowa. This is his fourth year. So if this is it, this is it. He has a chance to come back. I saw somebody say the other day that, that there is a possibility, like like there's a scenario out there where he comes back for twenty-two plays four games, red shirts the rest, and then comes back for 23, <laughs> which could still technically happen. Um, the, the the choice facing him right now is do I want to play at Nebraska in 22? He could try to go to the NFL, he could try a grad transfer to somewhere else or he could stay at Nebraska. But you know we're not going to get that that final hurrah moment we're not going to get that final redemptive moment that scott frost has been talking about for a few weeks with adrian he's not going to play against iowa it it, you know i'm not going to i don't want to get all preachy and tell people how they should react to adrian martinez in the final game i know he's sort of a hot button player i know he's a divisive player i personally am just very sad by the situation it makes me sad I wish that he he would have one more I mean, we keep talking about well one more opportunity he just needs another opportunity and he keeps coming up short I wish he would have one more opportunity to play particularly in front of the home crowd if this is going to be the last Nebraska game of his career and I don't know if it's going to be the last one or not it sounds like Scott Frost wants to have a conversation with him Um, It sounds like Frost wants him to go through senior day stuff, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that he won't come back. Um, It just, it makes me sad that potentially his last game will be spent on the sideline because of an injury. It just makes me sad. So any, any of you guys that are going to the game or you can react, however you want. I, I don't care. Do you, it makes me personally sad. Greg, how do you feel about the whole situation as a whole, as we kind of look back?
1: Man, you stole my thunder because I didn't expect you to say that and because I actually feel the same way. Um, And and it was weird on kind of how this all kind of came out. I had to take a little inside baseball here. So it came out, obviously, at the Scott Frost press conference. Um, When the Scott Frost press conference is happening, I am usually doing something else. I'm usually in the room, but kind of working on the piece that I have to do for Monday morning. This time, though, Ben Stilley was in the hallway and so I wasn't even in the room when he announced it. So I'm out in the hallway talking to Ben Stilley. I come in and people are just like furiously typing away. Like I haven't really checked our internal Slack, like, cause I'm starting to get my stuff together um, for what we've got going, for like what I have to get going on later. And so I didn't know like what happened. And so then after the press conference was over is when I actually found out that he announced, that Scott Frost announced that Adrian Martinez is out. And then I just kind of sat there and I'm like, dang, if that's it, that's really sad. Like, that was honestly my very first thought, uh, like in that time late, technically finding out that it happened, um, that the announcement was made. It it bummed me out because like Frost, I do, I did, I guess, or do want Adrian Martinez to be able to have that type of moment. Like you said, too, particularly in front of the home crowd. And it doesn't feel like he's going to get that. Um, the, the injury complicates this whole thing, though, when it comes to long term, um, because if it's a significant shoulder injury that will need surgery, he it, he would not be ready to go right away for wherever he's playing football at in 2022. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And so that's also part of this equation and discussion, too, um, but it, it's just tough to see if that's the end, to see it kind of go like that in another game in which he had a, I guess, a gritty performance, I guess is the way I would describe it. Now, knowing <laughs> what we know about his shoulder is throwing shoulder at that um, another game in which it, he basically played well enough. For them to win except for a, a critical mistake or two even though those I don't know that those those interceptions cost them the game necessarily like it's just that I think that though that Wisconsin game basically summed up his career all in one some very brilliant plays uh, some maddening plays some plays that he can only make and then also an injury because that's been a big part of the Adrian Martinez experience throughout his four years at Nebraska. Prolific statistically, but also a lot of injury.
0: Yeah. I, the, the, so the, the last drive against Wisconsin, if it's, if it's the last drive, it's, it, it, it's, it's a good encapsulation. First, first and 10, and you get a holding penalty. And you're at first and 20. You can't have a holding penalty there. But they did. And now he's at first and 20. And three straight incomplete passes, sets up fourth and 20. And you, you have now put yourself in a very, 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 very difficult position. You know, like the, the missed PI sucked. It was stupid. It was terrible. It should have been called. I get that. Frost had, had every right to be pissed. But they just came up short. And that's kind of... You know that's kind of what it been, kind of what it has been. And you said like you don't know that the interceptions cost them the game. I I don't feel that either. They didn't directly cost them the game, but like this has been Adrian Martinez's entire career at Nebraska. He feels like he has to make fourteen point plays every time he throws the ball because he kind of has to. Yeah. Because like they don't have the margin for error. So like you talk about an early fourth quarter interception. While it doesn't directly cost them the game, they need every possession they can get because at any given moment they're going to have a holding penalty that puts them into a fourth and twenty situation. Yeah. And you know, some of it is on Adrian, and and a lot of it isn't. Um, a lot of it, and this was what I wrote in my column. This is what I've written all season. Their offensive line is bad. It's bad, and if they protected him he would look different. And when we've seen him have protection, he has looked different. Um, here's kind of the, the I want to talk to you about his legacy
1: because
0: he's going to have, a, Now I don't, I don't know if this is it. I don't know if he's going to have another season to to continue writing this thing, but right now he's played four years. This is, we can kind of look at this whole picture. His legacy is going to be very interesting in terms of like, how he has viewed how he is viewed as a nebraska quarterback because nebraska's had really good quarterbacks nebraska has had statistically excellent quarterbacks with a lot of warts nebraska has had winning quarterbacks nebraska has had productive quarterbacks who lost games so so here i so i tweeted this this is perfect i tweeted this uh monday um I tweeted out Adrian Martinez's Husker career with, with a few of his records. I'm going to read you the records in a second. But it was um, highlighting his achievements. Okay. I did not include turnovers or fumbles or losses. The comments, need to add record number of fumbles and interceptions. All that doesn't score points in critical drives. All-time leader in Ls, heck of a gamer, decent quarterback. But like Emmett Smith, stats only tell part of the story. Too many of those games are simply due to games played. Bill Belichick says stats are for losers. Someone else said now do turnovers. Someone else said four straight losing seasons. Um, you either like him or you really don't like him. And so here's, here's Adrian Martinez's career. Let me just read you this stuff. It's a very long list. He's going to leave this program as one of the most decorated quarterbacks to ever play here. He's the only three-time captain in program history. He is the all-time leader in total yards of offense produced for a career. He is second all time in career passing yards. He is fourth all time in total touchdowns produced. He has the highest career, excuse me, highest total offense yards per game average for a season. He has the highest completion percentage over the course of a season in program history and the highest completion percentage in a game. He has 19 career 300 yard games, which are the most all time. He has 16 career, 250-yard passing games, most all-time. He has five career, 400-yard games, most all-time. And as a quarterback, he has five 100-yard rushing performances. He also has a freshman season that includes the most passing yards in a season by a freshman, the sixth most rushing yards in a season by a freshman, not just quarterback, freshman. Nebraska's had outstanding running backs, He had he had the sixth best rushing season as a freshman He has the most completions in a season, which is really just like, you know, it's a product of their scheme and, and modern football, but still highest completion percentage in a season for a freshman, most total offense in a season for a freshman, most total touchdowns in a season for a freshman, most passing touchdowns in a season for a freshman. So he has all of that. All of that. Now. Here are the top four quarterbacks in Nebraska's record books in terms of touchdowns produced over a career. Number one is Tommy Armstrong. Number two is Eric Crouch. Number three is Taylor Martinez. Number four is Adrian Martinez. Those are names that you probably would have expected to hear, right? So here's those top four. Turnovers, record as a starter. Tommy Armstrong Jr. had 44 interceptions and 22 fumbles in 45 games. He lost 10 of those fumbles. So that's 54 turnovers in 45 games.
1: Sure.
0: He had a 30 and 14 record as a starter.
1: I think, I think, I think people were surprised at how good his record was based on how many arrows he took, but okay. Keep going.
0: I do not have Eric Crouch's fumble numbers because fumbles, no one tracks fumbles for whatever reason. And they're, they're wonky and he played far enough back to where there's just not reliable information. So I could, Probably go look, but I need more time. Eric Crouch has 90 career touchdowns, 25 interceptions in 43 games. He had a 35 and seven record as a starter. Obviously, one of Heisman.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, if we're talking about who's, who's the best quarterback to play at Nebraska in the last 20 years, it's Eric Crouch, yeah. um, which actually could be an interesting discussion if you're talking about quarterback or player. Um, Taylor Martinez is number three in the touchdown list. He had 29 interceptions and 45 fumbles in 44 games, but he only lost 13 of those fumbles, which is incredible. So, so 42 turnovers in 44 games as a starter, he had a 29 and 14 record. I remember the Taylor Martinez days, just like I remember the Tommy Armstrong days, um, specifically because my dad was always yelling at the TV, stop (laughs) turning the ball over, stop throwing interceptions, stop fumbling it. They're never going to win more than nine games with Taylor Martinez as the quarterback, which by the way, is an incredible statement to make. Now,
1: when you say that out loud, it's an incredible statement uh, to make.
0: uh, Okay. 29 and 14 as a starter, Adrian Martinez, number four, 30 interceptions, 31 fumbles, 18 of them lost. So so the most lost fumbles, if anybody on this list, in 39 games, 48 turnovers in 39 games. He has a 14 and 24 record as a starter. So I give you all this stuff at the beginning. He is one of statistically, and in terms of production, the best quarterbacks to play at Nebraska. Now, you can qualify that by saying, well, the scheme helped him. Well, modern offense helped him. Well, modern defenses helped him. That's a function of games played. You can talk about all that stuff. And and you'd be justified in saying all that stuff. But in terms of career numbers, he is in Nebraska's record books. He's one of the most productive quarterbacks in the history of his program. But if you're talking about the top quarterbacks, he has the worst record as a starter, which we can also talk about why you shouldn't use team record as a quarterback metric. And he has the most turnovers of anybody. And that right there is what makes Adrian's legacy so hard to evaluate. So Greg, I ask you now, having said that and giving you all that information, when you look back at these last four years of Adrian Martinez, what stands out in your head? Is it the losses? Is it the gaudy numbers? Is it the turnovers? Is it something else?
1: It it is the turnovers, but it's really it is so interesting and and how this evolves over time to me is going to be very interesting because it has all as we saw kind of in the QB bracket like how people feel about these quarterbacks over time does shift, yeah. Um, and so that that will be really interesting to me. But I I went back and I I tweeted this out earlier this week, like my first like long form story on Adrian after he committed um, or signed um, back in the 2018 class. It was like a different kind of QB. Like, so I think was the title of it. And if you had told me on that day that that story went into the Hale Varsity magazine, that all of those numbers that you read off to begin with, that that's the career that he's going to have. I would have said, oh, my God, take that. And that not only that, because I still don't know the second part of that, not only that, this program has taken off in the exact way that Scott Frost was brought here to do, right? Like, that's the thing that I will always kind of think about when it comes to Adrian Martinez. There are a ton of big numbers. And then he also kind of embodies the thing that's held the program back in my opinion which has been repeated errors both big and small like whether it like and he's not obviously out there getting penalties but that counts in the big and small thing like so whether it's penalties untimely turnovers whatever like a lot of that is kind of wrapped up into what his career has been and so it's, it's like you said, it's really, really complicated and it's difficult, but I also, in my mind, play a little bit of the what if game, because not only you said how many starts was that like 49 starts that he's had
0: uh, 38,
1: 38, sorry, it was 49 turnovers in 38 games. That's 38 games. There are other games available. There's probably, there's a handful of games that he's also missed in his career. So where are those numbers if he doesn't miss those games? Where are those numbers if the injuries that caused him to later miss those games didn't happen and he was able to produce at a higher level in those other games, right? You get what I'm saying? Like, also, where the heck are those numbers if you cut those turnovers in half? Because those drives would have, in theory, continued going, like, there's just so much there. Um, when it comes to and not only the numbers, I guess it's the win losses too. Because then, then I know you, I don't think that you love the win losses uh, as a quarterback metric. I'm okay-ish with it.
0: No, stop using. Especially
1: no, no, especially in this case where you have a program that's lost so many one-score games. I think it's 19 under Frost, and you have that many turnovers. Those turnovers and lost drives directly correlate to you losing those one score games to me so that has to be part of it too like it's just really difficult because and the other part of this that i think i think brings out such passionate defense of adrian martinez i get why the anger is there and it's about the turnovers it's about the losses to be honest if the turnovers are there but the losses were not it'd be fine
0: um but Uh, case in point tommy Armstrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, Tommy Armstrong. But the other thing, that, and this is something that Adrian and Tommy also have in common, is that they're great guys, right? And that people really, really like them, and that there's nothing... Like, the, Adrian Martinez off the field has been so good. He's been such an ambassador of the program that I think that that also... That's part of his legacy, and I think that that's also something that his defenders, if you want to call it that, um, also like to point out.
0: It's, it's worth pointing out here that Taylor Martinez is basically like two games away from owning the all-time touchdown record in a career. And if he plays his last season, if he doesn't get hurt and, he, yeah, and, and only appears in four games, like if he plays that last season all the way through, he's probably the leader in career touchdowns and, and probably career offense. So like if you play the the what if game, like he would make this a lot easier if he would if he had been healthy for his senior <laughs> right. season because then we wouldn't be talking about well Adrian is the all time leader in total offense and then it wouldn't be like you well that's, that's Nebraska knock
1: down a couple pigs too right because... yeah yeah
0: he'd <laughs> also be like well that's you know that's that's Nebraska under Scott Frost lots of yards not a lot of points not a lot of wins, um I, the the record as, as an ind- as a quarterback metric, is just like, okay. So is the defense a three and eight defense? This
1: year, no, no.
0: Okay. Is Adrian a three and eight quarterback?
1: No, no. I don't think he's a three and eight quarterback.
0: I don't think he is either. And that's that's sort of that's what makes this tricky. Is Adrian Martinez, in a literal sense, is a fourteen and twenty four quarterback. In a literal sense. But at the beginning of this season, I think most people would have said he's the the most talented quarterback in the Big Ten before you knew what C.J. Stroud was going to do. Now, I I guess the most talented non-Ohio State quarterback in the Big Ten, I guess would be.
1: still amazing what Nebraska did to him. Like, that will always, like, as they continue to just roll up (laughs) points and yards on people, and he looks like maybe a husband-favorite, nebraska's defense that day is yeah
0: so. they scored 117 points in the two games since playing nebraska and they scored 26 points against nebraska it's remarkable yeah you're right it's remarkable what they did um adrian i just don't know i don't know how he's going to be viewed because you're exactly right when you when you said like as we have gotten a few years removed from all of those other quarterbacks. Cause we did that, that quarterback bracket thing in, in the offseason. as we have gotten a few years removed from, from those careers, people look back on them more fondly, which just, it's just human nature. It tends to happen. It's right. nostalgia. Um, I don't, I don't know how Adrian is going to be viewed because with Tommy, you've got a ton of interceptions. You've got thrown off your back foot. You've got like head scratching, like, God, what are you doing? Dude moments but he, he, won games. He won football games and they won football games, I should say. And with Adrian, you've got, God, what are you doing moments? And you've got, Oh my God, he's the only player on the field that could make that play. Holy crap. Moments. And he, he, they, they don't win football games with him and they haven't won football games with him. And I, I am firmly in the camp of, if they had a better offensive line, they would have won more games this year. I think i've I've written and I've also said that they have a three win offensive line, but that's just where they're at right now. um but but I mean, he's got 48 turnovers in 30 39 games it's it's just you know as as a guy that has as as much usage as a quarterback has to average more than a than one turnover every game over the course of of your four-year career is is hard it's hard and it gets back to the thing where i talked about with them not having any margin for error those things i mean you can go game by game and say like yeah this this crippled a scoring opportunity this hurt them this set up a a score for the other team this was a scoop and score like we talk about the ohio state game from last year and i'm like yeah the, the fumble scuba score that he had to start the second half in that game effectively into that game. And there's been a handful of those over his career where you've been like, well, they didn't, you know, they effectively ended games. And it's just, you know, I think that he, if I was in the stands on Friday and he takes part in senior day and he kind of runs that out on the field pregame, I would cheer for him. I would give him a round of applause because I think he deserves it. But I also, you know, I I don't know. This, this is, I think this is going to be one of the most interesting legacy questions in a while.
1: Yes. But I, and I also, I don't, depending on when you guys listen, I do expect him to go through senior day. Um, And I also like, I, I I don't know, I shouldn't say expect, I would hope, hope that he gets a thunderous ovation from the crowd. And I think that there is that, and it's for a couple of reasons, it's not just that he was statistically prolific, it is also that we have come to find out um, that he played with a broken jaw um, for a lot of the year. Um, We also know that he played with his shoulder injury in the second half and tried to get it out and help the team win a game at Wisconsin. Um, and there are numerous things like that for him in his career. So, like, I, I just think that on um, everything that he's given the program, I think that he needs a monster occasion um, at that game. But it is going to be – it's just going to be really interesting. And how long – and I'm surprised that we've actually gone this long without saying this how, – how much his legacy is going to be tied to Scott Frost, the coach legacy – um, is also going to be interesting too, because once this, like, let's say this is the end for Adrian, Scott Frost gets to start to begin to write a new chapter of his coaching tenure at Nebraska without Martinez. Um, and that's going to, I think, shape some, some, maybe shape some of the conversation around Martinez as well. Uh, because if it turns out that Martinez was by far and away the best quarterback that he brought here, that's going to also give you know some different ammunition for the fight too so it'll, it'll be interesting there, there's a lot there um when it comes to adrian martinez's legacy um and that's why you wish so much that for him that because the conversation would just be so different if they if the team had just been okay or he had gotten that signature moment yeah. which he just didn't get like and we thought they, that he had and was it was it the iowa game his freshman year with when that picture that everybody loves happened in Iowa city where he's got like, he, he, scores a touchdown and like pumps his fist out in the air and like the, the, the photo of it. Was that his freshman year? Yeah.
0: Yes. I, I, think so.
1: I think it was. and I think we thought that was it. That was the moment. And then, you know, they lost the last second field goal. Um, and, and it just kind of feels like that was a foreshadowing moment <laughs> for so many things to go.
0: Yeah, I you know I think the the sadness comes from he's just not going to have a chance to control what's going to because because the narrative will change with him if on Friday Logan Smothers leads them to a win. Yes, undeniably, it the discourse with Adrian will change, and I'm <laughs> that that'll be. That'll be an interesting time if that happens um
1: so, i so I do want to make sure I ask you one question It's your podcast but I want to see one question about Adrian's legacy. It relates to that. Does it change if he goes somewhere else after this year that is I mean that's on the table it's twenty twenty one like college football so
0: like i so i've i've people keep asking me like do you think Adrian's going to come back? And I keep saying, if I was a confidant, which I'm not, and I was advising him, which I'm not, on what to do, I would tell him, maybe go somewhere else. Because if you have success at that next place, it'll it'll set you up better. And you're not really sure what next year is gonna look like. And if you choose to go somewhere else, I don't think anyone's gonna hold it against you. Certainly not here. I think people will be rooting for you. And you can sort of pick your next situation and you can pick what you think is is gonna be the best situation. If he has success at the next spot, if there is a next spot, I think it will change the way Scott Frost is viewed. And this kind of ties into, I was going to ask you next, if Frost fails at Nebraska, do, what does that do to the way that Adrian Martinez is viewed? If Scott Frost fails at Nebraska, is Adrian Martinez viewed as a wasted talent? Yes. And if <laughs> in, that, in that same vein, if Adrian Martinez goes somewhere else, which again, I'm not saying I, I have any inside knowledge on. I'm not Reporting anything. If he goes somewhere else and he does have success, I I think that would also it, it would reflect poorly on Frost, and you would get some of those wasted talent remarks about here. The other side of this is they tried Luke McCaffrey and it failed spectacularly. Yes. And he has gone on to other places and not had a ton of success. Not had much success. Depending on what happens Friday with, with Logan Smothers, we will have a, a few glimpses of, of what Smothers is as a quarterback, but, but very few, and he'll be going into his third year in college. and he'll be kind of a, a question mark. So like I, I think some of what's going to happen is people are going to just going start questioning, scott frost's ability to well and start they already have ability to evaluate quarterbacks
1: yeah and i think that that's and that (laughs) that adds such an interesting layer um to all of this and it 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 becomes a that it becomes i think an indictment on frost in a way that's really hard to overcome to be honest if adrian were to go somewhere else and have and have success like I do, but the th- but it, it would be a fascinating thing to watch um, on a weekly basis to see because it would be: Do you see? Does Adrian make those spectacular plays, but also have the turnover somewhere else? That and then, if his team is better, is it just because the team is better and not necessarily? It, it's just there's just a lot there, um, but I do think that the wasted talent angle is something that would be a large part of the conversation. If that were the case, um, because I, th- I just think that that's the natural place to go um, and will be a major indictment on for us.
0: Yeah. Breaking news on the podcast. CBS Sports Dennis Dodd is reporting that Luke Fickle is going to stay at Cincinnati and that recruits are being told as such. I don't know if that's breaking news, <laughs> but it's. Uh,
1: that was where remember I said think. that for a while. I thought that that was where that was headed. He was going to stay there. Um, it seems like he's comfortable there, and you get your shot at the Big Twelve, like which I think is a big part of that. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes to chase it different. He does not need to go chase a bigger job because he's now got technically one. And I think they like are making investments in facilities and that yeah. sort of thing. Like, I think that's a good a good spot for. I it. was talking
0: to my brother about this the other day. He has spent his entire coaching career in the state of Ohio, going to. Los Angeles or Baton Rouge would be a significant change. He has a family that factors into this, and he yeah. seems like somebody that would, that would value that as a pretty high priority, what his family's interested in um, or comfortable with. And, like, Cincinnati is number four in the college football playoff rankings.
1: They, they did pop in at number four.
0: Like, their number four is an American school, and they're going to be in the Big 12 in a couple of years and an and Oklahoma-less Big 12 at that. So, like, if you can get into the college football playoff now as, as an American team, then your brand is established as, like, hey, if you have a good season, sure, we'll put you in the playoff. I don't necessarily think it matters if they get killed.
1: It's such a big deal, though, too, for recruits, because now you can say – that hey, if we're having this kind of success here in getting in the playoff, imagine what we're going to do when we get to the Big Twelve. Um, it's just such a good proof of concept situation yeah. that he finds himself in, right? Yeah,
0: now. I mean, I, you know, USC's a really good job, but like, he's got a pretty good gig.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. <laughs> if if Luke Fickle is off the market, and Mel Tucker is off the market, and James Franklin is off the market and Jimbo Fisher is staying at Texas A&M, which he keeps saying that he is.
1: Yeah, keep saying
0: that. LSU and USC and Florida, somebody else is come, it has, bound to come open, right? Something something yeah, spectacular surprise, is going to happen. Right? Oh, it always seems that one. One or two of those schools is not going to be happy with the way that this offseason ends.
1: I My prediction is that it's USC. That's what I kind of you think so right now even though i don't know how happy like how happy are florida fans going to be with billy napier um if that ends up being the case uh i don't know how like like how excited you get for that i think lsu fans would be excited for dave aranda um but not in the way that they would be if they like stole jimbo fisher uh but usc feels like the team on the outside looking in of, of the because there's just not that many names now those guys that you've rattled off if they're staying like who who's available like and this is kidding?
0: this is a product of constantly churning through coaches every year like this, this is this is what we have gotten to it's sort of a dry market like if like i think the names that have been mentioned for usc have been dave aranda and matt campbell um If Dave Varandas goes to LSU, that would be interesting. But like if you're USC and like you've been open since what September,
1: right? Like they don't,
0: and you're like, we're going to get the best guy available. And then you end up with Matt Campbell, who what is looking at a what four or five loss season with Iowa State this year? You're like, what? We did all of this for that?
1: What? I don't know if, yeah, his star has kind of doled. And I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what USC, like what direction they go. And I still think that somebody like, I think someone like Dan Mullen is going to get one of these Power Five jobs. Like it was surprising. I don't know, like, know what his ties are to like Washington, for example, but like, why couldn't he like turn up out there? Like, I just.
0: Matt Campbell's also, I I forgot Washington. Matt Campbell's also been a a guy that has been mentioned at Washington because Chris Peterson is leading that search. Washington's also a really good school. They're an
1: interesting, yeah. I would actually. If it's funny, is and I have a lot of. I like the USC job. I, I like that school. I don't. If I had to pick, though, if you really told me, hey, either way you're going to get four point five million dollars, and you can pick USC or Washington, all things considered, you're giving some strong consideration to Washington because it just feels like there's something weird with like the USC behind the scenes situation. Yeah. Like that would scare me about what's going on out there. And people, obviously people have won at Washington um, and especially as long as USC <laughs> continues to be down. Like you've got a real shot.
0: So let me bring this back now. Let me bring this back. And and I, I think people, some people will roll their eyes or shake their heads at this. So we we just talked about the coaches that are off the market. We just talked about USC. LSU, Florida, Washington, basically like fighting over two coaches, it sounds like, Dave Aranda and, and Matt Campbell. Um, if Billy Napier goes to one of them, maybe. Like, it sounds like uh, Dave Clawson isn't leaving Wake Forest. Another name off the board. Um, uh, the
1: guy from Coastal Carolina is probably – Jamie
0: Chadwell's there, but he just doesn't but I don't know if he's at that
1: job. Yeah, I don't know if he's at that tier of job um okay, so also you got like virginia tech and schools like that that are open like that, i think that's a good level for him um i think that'd be a really interesting place actually.
0: i also think virginia tech is an interesting spot because you are no longer the guy that is following up after beamer you're no longer the next guy after beamer which, which is
1: maybe they just go get his son <laughs>
0: it's the best place to be you don't want to be the guy after beamer you want to be the guy after the guy that's after beamer
1: yeah yeah
0: the legend you'd, at a school
1: you'd rather be callahan than solely
0: it's the it's the it's the sweet spot
1: <laughs> probably not the best no example. Oh
0: God. So i was gonna say it's idea. a sweet spot but now it's not no, that's not the sweet spot um so okay so all of those all those names billy napier goes to one of them so now you're at the point where you're just you're just hiring an unknown which is what which is which is what a group of five or coordinator guy Coming to a big time power five job is regardless of how successful he was or or how surefire a thing you think it is, it's there's there's a degree of risk. Mm-hmm. So if you're at that point with like LSU or Florida, maybe Trev made the right decision. <laughs> sets you up perfectly. This year, this year, this to, year to just to just sit on the sideline this year. Not pay any buyout money, just sit on the sideline this year and just see what happens.
1: It By the day, it looks like a more big picture, a wiser decision big picture. It does. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that.
0: Which big picture thinking, um, level-headedness, aren't, aren't those things that, that m- most people say that Nebraska needs and has needed?
1: That is, that is all true.
0: Yeah, so – I keep ending up as the Scott Frost defender. That's a weird place to be in. (laughs) It's a really weird place to be in with it. It keeps happening. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's an interesting interesting way to look at it. Um, Greg, you got to go. I've had you for a long time. Thank you for coming on this podcast, man. I hope you enjoy Thanksgiving. I hope you get all the mac and cheese that you want. And I hope that there is no fall weather to be found. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for all of that. I hope you and the family have a very wonderful Thanksgiving.
0: All, uh, same goes to all of you guys listening. I hope you have uh, food comas after just delicious meals. So enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend of football action. Thanksgiving week is always a fun week because it's just random football at all hours of the day. Um, we'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, keep reading com. Thanks, guys.